Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Performer on Record, the companion podcast to Performer Magazine, and our latest issue, the acoustic issue, brought to you by our uh, very special friends at Austrian Audio. Austrian Audio is obviously well known for their microphone uh, manufacturing. Uh, You've probably seen some videos that we've created, both on stage and in the studio with Austrian microphones uh, before, but Austrian Audio has just released... Uh, recently, the Me Creator uh, lineup, uh, the Me Creator Studio and the Satellite, which we've checked out in a video review on our Instagram and socials and, and YouTube channel featuring the amazing Aaron Kellum. So Aaron, uh, we work with a lot. He's walked through the features of uh, the product and especially what's cool about it for acoustic musicians, um, the high SPL handling capabilities, the condenser capsule on it, which is awesome for handling kind of the nuanced performance uh, of acoustic artists. So um, we want to thank Austrian Audio for sponsoring the Acoustic Issue and all the associated content that goes with that. Um, so definitely check out the Meet Creator Studio um, write-up that we did on our website, um, the video content that Aaron did for us uh, exclusively, and there's also a, a special acoustic performance that he does using the product. Um, it's just an all-around awesome tool for mobile content creators, no matter what you're doing. If you're doing music or if you're just doing video content in general, need to capture really great sound sources, um, even live sound sources because the uh, SPL handling capabilities of the Me Creator lineup is uh, pretty awesome. Plus, it's robust too. You can throw it in a backpack, take it on the go no matter where you are and not have to worry about you know cheap plasticky uh, chassis getting cracked and broken uh, on your travels. So yes, thank you mucho, mucho thank you to uh, the good folks at Austrian Audio for sponsoring the Acoustic Issue uh, and that video. Um, But without further ado, we want to treat you to a special interview we did with our cover artist for the acoustic issue, um, Lau Noah, who is an amazing Spanish-born acoustic musician, um, just released uh, a new album of duets called Ados, and that is out for your listening pleasure, as is this interview, where we talk about her musical background, her her style, her self-taught technique, and um, all sorts of really great stuff. So without further ado, let's get into the interview and uh, we hope you enjoy. Um, what I would love to do is kind of uh, get to know you a little bit as an artist, um, learn a little bit about your background for our readers, and then talk about the projects that you're working on now, especially um, since I know that there's a, a new album coming out that's very exciting um, that I'd love to, to discuss with you if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm originally from Spain. I grew up in a small city in the south of Barcelona. Um, so no, uh, you know, no big metropolitan uh, uh, life, no big music communities or anything. And uh, since I was a little kid, I really loved everything that had to do with creating something that did not exist before. Mm. So I loved drawing, painting, I loved music. Um, and I loved most of all soundtracks of movies. So I would watch all these Disney movies. And even with a year and a half or two years old, I would try and, and transcribe the lyrics, even if I didn't know how to write. And there, there are photos of me trying to pick up a pencil. And so I always had a, a and a love for, for songwriting. Um, but for certain circumstances, you know, uh, I moved out of my parents' house when I was 16. Um, I went to music school when I was a little kid, but the academy was really not for me. So I quit around 11, 12 years old. And and then I kept on playing piano and singing. And at 19 years old, I moved to New York City. Okay. Uh, 
found a job as a nanny. It was not for music purposes. I didn't come to any, you know, fancy music school. So what what prompted you to to move from Spain to the United States? Was it the job or did you have aspirations to to live here or what was it? I needed to have an interesting life. I needed to <laughs> truly though I thought, you know, as a teenager, you know, I, from 13 to 15, I suffered from agoraphobia and okay. from really high levels of anxiety and I had body paralysis and all of these things. So when I recovered from that, I told myself, you you have to travel the world. You have to live in many places. You have to live in a way that when you're old, hopefully you get to mm-hmm. being old. Um, you can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, I had a pretty nice life. Like, I'd like to hear that story, you know? So it was a bit of that. It was not, I didn't have a big dream of becoming a, 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 a I don't know, a touring musician or anything that I'm doing right now. It was mostly... I need to start somewhere. And I found a job there yeah. that paid for So I just jumped and I did it at 19 years old. And I worked as a nanny upstate New York. And then when I could get out of that, because it was pretty terrible, I moved to New York City and I worked as a waitress, as a dog walker, babysitter, all of these things that immigrants without means do, because that's that's my background. you know. That's um, And that taught me so much. You know, yeah. Especially being surrounded with children and having to work with children, it forces you to be in this extremely creative mind state. You know, the whole time, yeah. you have to also become a really good storyteller because that's the only way a kid's going to be sitting in front of you listening for an hour straight. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, what what's interesting is you said when you were growing up, you you know, you were t- talking about the piano and everything, but. Obviously, now most people know you and associate with you with with guitar and acoustic guitar, classical guitar. Where did that enter the picture for you? Was that back in in Spain? Not at all. It happened in 2016 in wow. Montreal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Tell yeah. us it a little was... bit about tell us a little bit about how the guitar entered your life then, if it because it seems like it was a little bit later in your story. Absolutely, it was very late and it was very strange. I had gone to Montreal to visit a friend mm-hmm. and. It was February, so it, there was a snowstorm. It was the, the it was miserable outside, and my friends had gone to a Patrick Watson show, and they told me they had tickets for me, um, and eventually they said they had to run out of tickets. The weather was really bad, so I was stuck in that apartment by myself, and my friend only had a guitar in the house. He didn't have a piano. He didn't have anything else, and I had tried playing guitar before. It never worked. It hurt my fingers. It wasn't yeah. worth. And that time, I don't know why. I picked it up and I said, all right, well, I don't know how to read this. The only thing I can do is go note by note, trying to find all the sounds that my brain hears and harmonize myself as I was singing yeah. with the... And and that's how I developed this very weird thing that I do now, but that people eventually started saying, well, this is counterpoint. I was like, oh, okay. You know, yeah, it's it's an interesting style for folks who haven't heard you. It is very counterpuntal, which is, I think, the right word in English. Um, but you know, that's something that I think definitely doesn't come from being taught in a traditional sense. Like you didn't take classical lessons because that's not normally what would come out of that. Um, can you talk a little bit about your process of how you how you started, like you said, and then how you got here? 
Did you learn from anybody or were you completely self-taught? I was completely self-taught in terms of the guitar and the instrument. Obviously, you know, I'm part of this beautiful music community in New York City and we would hang out. But I, I had no interest in knowing, you know, the chords and the names of things. Even I was a little bit apprehensive because I thought, I don't know if that's going to, I mean, I don't want to play like everybody else. I mean, this thing seems to be working out for me. So I don't want to know how you do it. I want to see how I can do it without knowing anything, you know. Um, so that's that's how it happened for me. I, I just did it note by note. And it's not, I, I don't think it's like a an extraordinary thing. It's just, I just think that most people don't take the time to do these things like so, you know, step by step, note by note, every single detail. When people learn music in schools, they learn chords and they learn scales, which are blocks of information, you know, that then it's very diff difficult to uh, to separate uh, and, to, um, and to erase from your mind because it's, it's, it, it's a structure that makes sense. It's language, right? It's as if um, I wanted to uh, change the name of what we call a table. You know, people would be like, well, you can't do that. But actually, you could, I guess. I think it's interesting, too, because a lot of people probably assume because you come from Spain um, and, and here in the States, we actually call the classical guitar Spanish guitar that that you would have picked it up, you know, back then. Um, do you do you play other types of guitars as well, like a traditional acoustic or electric or anything like that? No, I have tried, actually. Um, I think the classical guitar is such a it has such a big universe that I'm still working on that. I guess I started 2016. <laughs> so but I, I have this dream of playing electric guitar for sure. Um, and I hope at some point I get there, yeah. But in Spain, no. Uh, I didn't even grow up listening to Spanish music. You know, I'm from Catalonia, from the Northeast. Um, what so, you would use for classical guitar, Spanish guitar, it would be like traditional folklore, uh, flamenco, coplas, all this stuff. My family didn't listen to this kind of music. We listened to Elvis Presley, you know. <laughs> so I, I suppose oh, you probably can't see it in the background here. I should hide my Real Madrid banners and everything from you being from North. <laughs> no, but see, I see blue. Is that blue? Is that Joni Mitchell? Yeah. Am I making? Nope. Yeah, that's that's I'm trying to point. That's Joni Mitchell. But on this side of the room where you where you can't see is all my Real Madrid stuff. So I won't show you that because I'm sure that won't go over well. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not hating. I'm not hating. It's fine. It's all like love, and you know, it's fine. Um, so, so that, that brings us kind of to, to where we are now. Um, your, your publicist let us know that there's a new album coming out, which is very exciting because it sounds like you're doing a lot of collaborative, um, work with other artists. Can you tell us a little bit about how this project came about and some of the people that you've been working with and maybe some of the things that you learned having, having partnered with them on some of the music? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a bit weird. Everything was very strange. I feel very lucky. And at the same time, I look back and I go, oh, the amount of work that came into this was crazy. Um, I was in New York. That's exactly how it happened. I was in, in New York in 2022. I had just cut my hair at the hairdresser at the hair salon after three years of not cutting it. And I had I needed cash because she only accepted cash. I went to the ATM and I got to see how much money I had left in my bank account. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm broke. Yeah. So the only thing I could do was to book a flight and go back to Spain for a bit to recover. 
and do some classes online, but I couldn't afford the New York rent. And when I was in Spain, I thought, how about I just book some sessions with musicians I love from here. Throughout the COVID years, I had met a lot of people on Instagram because I started posting videos of myself right. playing. Right. Yeah. And so one day I would wake up and I would find Jacob Collier following me. The day after it would be Jorge Drexler and all these people that are in my album now, right? And so um, when I was in Madrid, I was playing, I was recording with some friends of mine and it came to me, it was a, like, a, like an epiphany. I was like, I'm going to make an album of duets with all of these people and it's going to be like two chairs facing each other and that's it and two microphones and that's all. And and I thought I'm going to dream big and I'm going to ask my favorite musicians with whom I had a relationship with before. Obviously, I wasn't just like hitting someone's right. DMs because it doesn't you know, go anywhere. Right. But I had made sure that all the relationships I developed on Instagram became a reality in the in the real world right so when jacob came to play uh, the blue note in new york i hit him up i was like i'm really excited to to meet you and he was like do you actually want to play so we ended up playing together at the blue note and that's how we met right and to me the important thing and the reason i think they ended up saying yes apart from the fact that i think the music is good the songs are good i was offering a good song to them was that we uh, we had spoken about things that were in music we had become friends we spoke about life we spoke about you know the the human psyche things that that connect with you, you had people. real connection with these people kind of outside of the musical world um do, yeah. you, do you feel like that made the musical connection a little bit stronger when you were performing with them absolutely well at first there was a willingness to to make it work yeah first of all um I with many of them I had never played before. Like with Christy, I had never played before. I had opened for him, so I knew he was a fan of my music. I'm a huge fan of his, and so there was a there was a a path for me to go and ask him, "Would you like to do this with me?" Because I knew that he respected me as a musician. Right. But we had never before until we got to the studio and we recorded four takes of of the song that will be on the record and. And it was magical. It was amazing. But I, I believe that if you have something in common in, in, in the human conversation, there's no way the music conversation won't work. You know, it's completely linked and connected yeah. with. When when you recorded these songs, um, were you physically in the same space as your partner or did you have to do remote recording? How did that work? That was uh, that was a, a must for me. My only requirement was that I had to do these things live because it was about the human connection. It was an antidote to the years we had of <laughs> staying at home and not playing with anybody. Yeah. So yeah, how it went was I would work really hard in New York City as a babysitter, as a tutor, making the most amount of money I could, buy a flight, go to these people's houses, uh, um, a bar in Madrid, uh, uh, a living room in LA, uh, um, go there, stay with friends, um, eat very cheap and go and record these songs with them and then go back to New York and go back to work. And meanwhile, I had a sublet in my place paying my rent, you know. So it's like balance, this equilibrium of of trying to figure out how to do this when there was no financial aid, you know. You were kind of traveling the world, putting the pieces together for this album. And finally, here we are. 
Um, the record comes out in January, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, January 12th. And the first single has um, come out this month. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the first song that, that people are going to be able to hear? Yeah, so the first single came out in May. That was with... Uh, oh, I apologize. Um, okay. Sorry yeah. about that. It came out in May. It was with Jacob Collier. It was a song called uh, If a Tree Falls in Love with a River. And it's a song about impossible love. And um, I sent it to Jacob. It was maybe November. I was in Spain. And, and I was like, would you like to record this? And it was a shot in the dark, really. And and he was like, I would love to. And I'm actually going to be in London when I was going to be in London opening for Chris Steely. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I have like an afternoon off. So come and record it in my house. And that was this year. I went to his magic room where he has recorded all his records and, and we recorded there. And the song is is this, is how can a tree and a river have a relationship when they're both, you know, inherently contrarian, you know, like uh, they have such different lifestyles. And I've been playing this song all over the world on tour. And I love it when people afterwards come to me and say, I think I'm a river. And the other goes, I think I'm a tree or my partner is a river or I, I'm trying to be a tree but I'm a river in my nature you know it's something that I think the metaphor allows for everyone to to be able to identify themselves with one or the other or with both without creating any sort of like political uh, problems you know no it sounds like people are really connecting with with what you're putting out there which is amazing um yeah. was do you find that it was difficult because you were recording in a lot of different places to get the record to kind of sound cohesive because i know a lot of artists are going for a certain sound on the record which is why they pick a certain studio or a certain producer to make it um now you're kind of at the mercy of where you can record i'm sure like you said it's a bunch of different locations different setups how did you handle kind of the technical aspect of the album if you could talk about that yeah i had blind trust that it was going to work okay um, some made it easier i think first of all i focused on the emotional connection between the musicians and i think that i mean over the sound sound quality right it was like the emotional quality of the of the session um so i had no doubt that that would make up for whatever sound issues we would have um but i also thought nowadays unfortunately people don't listen to albums from the beginning to the end you know people choose songs so that the album is like homogenous in sound, I don't think is that important. Okay. Um, because there were live sessions and I was, it, it was very clear to me that they had to be live sessions, not like pieces of stuff. There was no overdubs in, in the sense of like the two voices and the guitar were always live and they were always recorded at the same time. Um, so to me it was like, if it has this live feel and it has different sounds because we're in different rooms, I don't mind. Um, and then I got one, the same person to mix it and the same person to master it, Yeah, which helps, you know, make, make it make sense sound wise. Yeah. yeah. So, so I know, even though it may not been incredibly important to you that it all kind of sound the same, you, you still have that final touch where you, you can try to make things, you know, kind of sound like they were together um i think it was an interesting approach to do everything live um being that we live in a culture now where everything you know is so overdubbed and so overproduced and and layered and it's kind of sometimes hard to actually hear like the heart of the musician come through in in studio recordings nowadays 
Absolutely. I feel like this was a, a bit of an antidote to this dehumanization of art, right? Like a, the this new thought that art can be non-human. And that's a little bit like, I don't know. I, I, I can't really comprehend it. I think musicians, artists, people, uh, the music better than anybody else. You know, birds wouldn't call what they do music. We call it, you know. Yeah. So... Yeah. Do you think this is something that you might try again, doing doing another record in a similar way, or do you think you might want to do something um, a little bit more solo on your own? Um, I, I would imagine you're speaking like this was a very positive experience. So that's kind of why I'm curious of what what your plans are, you know, past this record. Yeah, I think um, I would love to have my friends come to the next project. You know, I think this project was a bit of my presentation card into the world and I have the best songwriters in the world joining me to uh, the best musicians and performers joining me and and I think that was very important for me because I I'd rather be I, I'd rather have a career holding the hands of all these people I really admire who already have a career than than you know coming up with the push of a corporation or a big label or something like that and I really like that approach yeah. so I think project is going to be um trying to employ my friends honestly that's what i want i want to help my friends i want to um include them in my music they are my favorite artists in the world really they're incredible performers so i do imagine a bit of a a mix of things a lot of people a lot of instruments i'd, I'd love for this to happen no, I know you talked about touring as well. Um, are you primarily touring as a solo artist or do you have a, a group put together that you bring out on the road with you? How does how does the stage show work for you? Yeah, so so far it's been solo and I really enjoy playing solo. Um, it's also a, an act that's very easy to carry around. Sure. You know? Yeah, um, I've been opening, I've been the opening act for several bands. Like I just uh, finished the tour with opening for Ben Folds mm. in the UK where we played the Royal Albert Hall, incredible uh, auditoriums, incredible places. And and there's something really magical about being there in that big stage, in that big hall with like 5,000, 6,000 people in front of you. And it's just you and your guitar, right? I think that's, that's really powerful and I really enjoy it. So that's been the case so far. I have a band with whom I play in New York City because I can afford to just bring them because they're in the neighborhood. You right. Know? <laughs> Do you think you... So, nope. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So far, it's been solo. Do you, Do you think you'll record at any point like a band record um, with with the group that you've been working with in New York? Because that sounds like an interesting project. Absolutely. I think that I'd love for it to be my next project alongside all these guests, friends of mine that I've been talking about. You. Awesome. Um, so just to kind of recap, we've got the album coming out uh, in January with um, a selection of um, really interesting duets, uh, of which I've heard some in the fantastic. Um, you've been on the road quite a bit, like you said. Um, do you have uh, touring plans behind the album too, stretching into 2024 um, as well that we should let people know about? Yes, I'm going to be touring in the U.S. for the spring and okay. then are going to be Europe. I just can't say it yet in with in in how because it's a it's a secret and a surprise. <laughs> well, we'll keep the surprise, but we'll let people know that uh, more live performances are are definitely on the way. So 
uh, both here in the States and abroad. Hopefully people will be able to catch you kind of where they are. Yeah, hopefully. That sounds good. Um, is there anything else that you do you want to let people know about that's going on with you um, in terms of what you're up to or anything like that? Or do you think we've kind of covered everything? I'd actually like to talk about something because I had this tour with Ben Ford that was supposed to be UK and Europe. And yeah. he fortunately developed tendonitis in the beginning of the tour. And he canceled the European leg, which was nine shows in very big places. And as an opening actor, I had, you know, you have to front all the all the accommodation and all the flights and everything. So I was left with this like huge debt and, and no tour at all. And so I reached out to my community and in on Instagram and we managed to put together a tour for me in three days all over Europe with incredible dates um, in so many countries, in so many cities. I got so many offers and I, I'd like to mention that because I think this is ex extraordinary. You know, um, without the help of an agent or anybody, I think the community really, really showed up, and I'm really proud of of this group of of, of people, musicians, artists, and music lovers that that are in this community. So, yeah, I that's think a, that's, that's important. Amazing. Did they help you actually find venues to to play at and places to perform? Strangers, strangers would reach out. They would offer either living rooms to have house concerts, but you know, I ended up playing in all venues or little theaters from people who'd be like, I have this local theater in my city. I'm going to go tomorrow and convince them to book you. Strangers. It was really beautiful. Well, I, I think, you know, a lot of people are kind of um, obsessed with maybe the negative parts of the internet and kind of the toxic part uh, of the internet. But it is good to remember that sometimes, you know, there is positivity out in the world and, and good things that the internet does to help bring people together. And, and even so much as, Helping an artist who who had a tour leg canceled put together a tour kind of spur of the moment. Um, I, I think that speaks to the amazing, you know, power of connectivity. One of the things that you had been talking about all along. Yeah, absolutely. It's my favorite thing that happened this year. <laughs> so there you have it. That was Loud Noah. And uh, we want to thank her again for being a part of our special acoustic issue. And we want to say a special extra big thanks to Austrian Audio one more time for sponsoring the issue. Um, again, check out that video we did on the Meet Creator Studio with Aaron Kellum up on our YouTube and Instagram and even on our website um, with a little bit more uh, of a written review, review component to it. Um, but that'll do it for this episode. Um, stick with us. We got uh, Nam coming up, which we'll be at. So come say hi if you uh, run into us there. Aaron Kellum will be there as well. Check out Lao Noah's uh, new album, which is out as of today. Uh, it is fantastic. We've listened to it front to back. It's, it's great. And uh, that'll do it. We will see you next time and stay safe.